Hello, and welcome back to Historical True Crime, the podcast where we take a look back at history's darkest crimes and criminals. I'm your host, Lizzie, and today is episode 24. And for today's episode, we're taking a bit of a different uh, journey into history. We're looking at an American outlaw, we're in the Wild West, and today's episode is all about Billy the Kid. If you've never heard of Billy the Kid before, he was an infamous gunfighter and outlaw in the American West. His name is synonymous with the Wild West, along the likes of the Bob Dalton Gang, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Cole Younger, and Jesse James. Now, Billy claimed to have killed 21 people, although there's a good chance the actual number is less than 10. Billy the Kid would be killed by Sheriff Pat Garrett when he was only around 21 years old. Now, Billy didn't make a living as a bandit like other Old West criminals did. Although the young gunslinger occasionally stole a horse, he never once robbed a bank or detained a train or even a stagecoach. His primary illegal activity, aside from his time spent fighting with the regulators, was wrestling cattle on the plains of New Mexico. And we'll go into all of these activities a little later on in the podcast. But for now, let's start at the very beginning. William Henry Bonney, also known as Billy the Kid, didn't leave a record behind of his birthplace, or even his birth date. Many say it's November 23rd, 1859, in New York, but those details have even been disputed. We do know he's likely born somewhere between 1860 to 1861 in either New York or Indiana. We know his mother immigrated to New York from Ireland, and many people who knew Billy identified New York as his birthplace. And after his death, newspapers across the nation all reported that he had been born in New York. Born Henry McCarty, but also known as William H. Bonney, Billy left no trace of his life from birth until around 1870. Now, Billy's family life was completely chaotic from the beginning. His parents are Irish immigrants who arrive in America and get hitched uh, around the age of 20. His father, Patrick, will pass away shortly after the birth of his first son, and the family resided in a slum on the east side of Manhattan. After Patrick dies, his widow travels to Indiana with little Henry and his brother, and it's there that she'll meet a man named Bill Antrim. So we'll jump ahead a few years and widowed Catherine McCarty and her two kids, along with longtime partner Bill Antrim, will arrive in Kansas in 1870. To get money, Catherine will start a laundry business and acquired and sold town lands. Before being diagnosed with tuberculosis and advised to relocate to a warmer, drier climate, the widow was doing rather well for herself and her sons. They traveled to Colorado, then south to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where Catherine weds Bill on March 1st, 1873 in a Presbyterian chapel. The family moves south to Silver City in Grant County after the nuptials. It's believed that Catherine's health would improve in the warmer environment, and her prospecting husband would profit from mining opportunities. Sadly, Catherine's health would decline quickly, and she eventually becomes bedridden. Even worse, it appears as though her husband leaves the family when they needed him most, and instead he goes prospecting in the hills. Catherine will pass away on September 16, 1874. When her husband did arrive, because he certainly did not come home when he heard the news, he stayed up prospecting, uh, and he does eventually return. 
but he'll move his stepsons into the knight household, and he would simply come and go from their lives. Eventually, the boys are split up and moved from one foster family to another within a short period of time. After moving to Arizona, Bill will absolve himself of all parental duties towards his stepsons and leave them to simply fend for themselves. Billy utilizes this time to do as he pleases without any parental oversight at all. Since he was living on his own and he had no money, he turns to a criminal career. In 1875, he helps a neighborhood tough guy known as Sombrero Jack steal garments from a Chinese laundry. It was then that Billy had his very first run-in with the law, although certainly not his last. Billy would manage to conceal the stolen goods in his boarding home, but he was caught when his landlord handed him over to the sheriff. And the offense only carried a light term, but instead of going to jail, Billy shimmies up a chimney and flees. Now, Billy is given the moniker The Kid because of his youthful and boyish appearance. He eventually found work as a cowboy and ranch worker in Arizona under his name, Billy the Kid. He enjoyed going to the saloon, drinking, playing cards, and other enjoyable pastimes for a 16-year-old boy in his free time. Now, when he eventually finds employment in Southeast Arizona as a wandering ranch laborer and shepherder, he took on the responsibility of transporting logs from a forest camp to a sawmill as a civilian teamster at Camp Grant Army Station in 1877. And Frank Windy Cahill, the camp's civilian blacksmith, enjoyed tormenting young Billy. After one heated argument, Cahill struck Billy on August 17th and knocked him to the ground. Uh, Cahill was shot by Billy in retaliation, and the next day he died. Billy was arrested and held in the camp's guardhouse, but this time he'll make an escape before the marshal can even show up. Billy will next show up in High School Jones' house in Pascos Valley, New Mexico, while still on the run. Billy had to travel a great distance on foot to reach the home, since the Apache had taken his horse. Now, Mrs. Jones will nurse him back to health after he was on the verge of death. Billy would establish a close bond with the Jones family, who also gave him one of their horses. Billy, now an outlaw and unable to find lawful employment, decides to team up with Jesse Evans, the head of a gang of cattle rustlers known as the Boys. This group of outlaws was a form of Southwest organized crime. Billy starts referring to himself as William H. Bonney sometime in 1877. The gang's wrestling operations were managed by John Kinney, popularly known as King of the Wrestlers, despite Jesse Evans actually serving as captain. Nobody was ready to risk their lives to stop cattle and horse wrestlers, even the law. Therefore, the stolen animals were sold to those who just didn't ask many questions. However, Colonel Albert Fountain, the editor of the Mesilla Valley Independent at the time, was not only taking advantage of them in his publication, but also exerting pressure on the legal system to take action. The group later relocates to Lincoln County, roughly 150 miles northeast of Donna Anna County, as the law had finally began to crack down on them. When Billy takes part in a brutal frontier battle in Lincoln County, New Mexico in 1878, he establishes his reputation as a gunslinger. The war centered on a financial battle between Irish tycoons James Dolan and Lawrence Murphy and British-born rancher John Tunstall, 
The house, the business run by Dolan and Murphy, had long controlled the livestock and dry goods market in Lincoln County. The kid and a number of other gunmen were hired by the Englishman, Tunstall, to defend his property when they attempted to frighten his fledgling business. Sheriff William Brady and his posse make an attempt to confiscate Tunstall's cattle, estimated to be worth around $40,000 in 1878, to settle a dispute over a sizable debt owed by Tunstall's business partner to a rival group of local businessmen. The sheriff and his posse, who were supporting Tunstall's adversaries, shot Tunstall off his horse and killed him with a shot to the back of the head with his own gun. And Billy's at the scene when the murder occurs. He goes to court to persuade the judges that the sheriff and his posse were all murderers. The justice of the peace for Lincoln County was persuaded, but before Brady could be taken into custody, Billy is instead taken into custody by local deputies who supported the sheriff. Billy once again doesn't spend much time behind bars. However, this time he's released by a U.S. Marshal named Robert Windeman, who was present as part of a government initiative trying to restore order to the uh, area. Now, Billy and several other former workers will go on to form the Regulators, a vigilante gang, and they vowed retribution when Tunstall was killed. The Regulators don't waste any time in apprehending three members of Dolan's posse. All three are killed en route to the prison in Lincoln. Billy and five additional Regulators will take up position in a corral that is concealed by a 10-foot wall. And in retribution for Tunstall's murder, they open fire as Sheriff Brady is walking down the street, killing him and a deputy. Billy will be shot in the thigh during the fight, but he does manage to flee. The fighting gets worse on both sides during the subsequent three months. Even though more individuals are murdered, only regulators will ever be accused of any killing in courtrooms. Now, the five-day war will mark the height of these battles. James Dolan, Sheriff George Pepin, and roughly 40 of their men will engage 60 regulators in a gunfight in Lincoln. After five days of combat, cavalry and infantry troops of the army ride into Lincoln with a 12-pound mountain artillery, 2,000 rounds of ammunition, and a Gatling cannon with rapid fire. The army, who insists it's neutral, points its cannons towards the regulators and threatens to blow the house away if any of them open fire. The number of regulators drops to 13 as a result of many fleeing. Now, Sheriff Pepin will surround the house where the regulators are. He'll set it on fire and demand an end to the standoff. Trying to take control, Billy will attempt to rescue the others by fleeing and creating a distraction, but it's not successful. Most of the remaining regulators are killed during the gunfight that it would eventually become known as the Big Killing, and the Dolan group will declare victory. On August 5th, 1878, Billy and three other Battle of Lincoln survivors are in the vicinity of the Mescalero Indian Agency when Morris Bernstein, the agency's bookkeeper, is killed. And despite conflicting evidence that Bernstein had been murdered by Constable uh, Atanasio Martinez, all four 
of the Battle of Lincoln survivors are instead charged with the crime. Now, except for Billy, all of the charges are eventually dropped. Lou Wallace is then appointed governor of the New Mexico Territory by President Rutherford Hayes in an effort to bring peace back to the region. A declaration of amnesty for all participants in the Lincoln County War, aside from those already charged, is soon issued by Governor Wallace. Unfortunately for Billy, the deaths of Buckshot Roberts and Sheriff Brady prevent him from being pardoned. So Billy and four others will travel to Lincoln to meet Jimmy Dolan and four of his men on the first anniversary of Tunstall's death. Both parties finally come together in the middle of the street, shake hands, and sign a document promising to cease testifying against or killing one another. Additionally, it's agreed that anyone who disobeys the agreement should be killed on sight. We're going to jump forward to February 18th, 1879 in Lincoln. So Billy's with his friend, Tom, and they're going to witness the shooting and killing of attorney Houston Champman, uh, also witness the burning of his body. Witnesses will claim that Jesse Evans threatened the two and forced them to watch the murder at gunpoint. Billy's already a top target for local law enforcement as one of the very few rebels to survive the Battle of Lincoln. However, he devises a scheme to escape by telling Governor Lou Wallace about the recent murder of a very well-known lawyer that he'd just witnessed. In March 1879, the first of several letters from Billy is delivered to Governor Wallace. And according to PBS, Billy writes, quote, I have no wish to fight anymore. Indeed, I have not raised an arm since your proclamation. As to my character, I refer to any of the citizens, for the majority of them are my friends and have been helping me all they could. I am called Kid Antrim, but Antrim is my stepfather's name. Waiting for an answer, I remain your obedient servant. Wallace will respond to Billy's letter and instruct him to visit Squire Wilson's home in Lincoln on a certain date and time. He writes, quote, I have the authority to exempt you from prosecution if you will testify to what you know. If you could trust Jesse Evans, you can trust me. And Wallace will offer uh, Billy clemency and protection from his enemies during the time when they actually meet and in subsequent correspondence in exchange for Billy's testimony to a grand jury. Billy surrenders himself to a posse led by Lincoln County Sheriff George Kimball on March 21st. He gives a statement about Chapman's murder and courtroom testimony as agreed upon. Now, after Billy's evidence, the local district attorney, however, declines to free him. A few weeks later, Billy's still being held, and he starts to believe that Wallace was lying. So on June 17th, 1879, he breaks out of the Lincoln County prison. Billy will stay out of trouble. That is until he shoots and kills Joe Grant in Hargrove Saloon in Fort Summer, New Mexico on January 10th, 1880. The Santa Fe Weekly New Mexican will report Billy Bonnie, more extensively known as the kid, shoots and kills Joe Grant. It's still unclear how exactly Billy and Grant's conflict developed, Some say Billy pegged Grant for a bounty hunter who had come to kill him. Others say Grant was a loudmouth drunk looking for a fight. In any case, 
Billy had a feeling that danger was on its way, and he made the decision to simply stop it in its tracks. On December 23, 1880, at a location known as Stinking Springs, Billy's apprehended by Pat Garrett, the new sheriff of Lincoln County. However, a lynch mob gathers around the train while it's still traveling to Santa Fe, and it forces Garrett to actually defend the prisoners before he can even take them to jail. Garrett, however, is still able to collect the $500 bounty placed on Billy's head because they do arrive safely. In April of 1881, in Santa Fe, the murder trial for Sheriff Brady starts. Billy's former gang is the subject of scathing editorials penned by Albert Jennings Fountain, who's chosen to represent Billy. Both parties, the prosecution and the defense, will rest their case after just two days of testimony. Unsurprisingly, the jury finds Billy guilty of first-degree murder, and they sentence him to death for May 13th. He will be the lone defendant found guilty of any offense related to the Lincoln County War. According to legend, upon sentencing, the judge told Billy he was going to hang until he was dead, dead, dead. And Billy's response is, you can go to hell, hell, hell. Later on, while Billy is in the Lincoln jail waiting to be executed, he'll beg his guard to take him to the bathroom. He then proceeds to steal the guard's gun and murder him with it. Billy will then take a 10-gauge shotgun from Sheriff Garrett's office, point it out a jailhouse window at a second guard coming across the street, and shoots him as well. Then with the use of a pickaxe, he'll remove his chains from his legs before escaping on a stolen horse. It uh, seems like no one is able to keep Billy the Kid in prison, but the governor of New Mexico will immediately set a new $500 prize on Billy dead or alive, as soon as word spreads of his escape. So Sheriff Garrett learned in July that Billy might be staying in Fort Sumner, New Mexico with a friend. So on July 14th, Garrett enters the home, and when Billy comes inside, Garrett shoots him to death. Billy's in the ground before dawn, armed only with a wooden monument for his burial. Locals will chip in to raise $7,000 for Garrett, because the governor's administration will decline to give him his $500 uh, bounty. Uh, We don't know the reason for this, but the New Mexico Territorial Legislature does decide to pay Garrett the $500 he's owed a little more than a year later. After shooting Billy the Kid, Pat Garrett becomes a legend himself in the Old West. But as time goes on, accusations start to spread that the sheriff had either shot the wrong person or assisted in fabricating the outlaw's death. The myth of brushy Bill Roberts, an elderly Texas man who claimed to be Billy the Kid in the late 40s, is largely debunked when family records show that he was really born in 1879, contrary to what Roberts had claimed. Since then, other investigators have proposed the theory that the kid went by the alias John Miller and survived into old age. Although Miller's purported remains were dug up in 2005, no attempt has been made to compare his DNA to that of Billy the Kid. In terms of Billy the Kid, he has long since evolved into an iconic figure in American history, even a type of folk hero. Local funds were donated in 1931 to provide him with a suitable headstone. And when that headstone was stolen in 1981 and found in Florida, 
the New Mexico governor ordered it to be flown home. The kid was famous in his own day, but thanks to dime novels, television series, and Hollywood movies, his fame only flourished after his death. The story of the armed criminal has been told on the big screen more than 50 times since the 1911 silent picture, Billy the Kid. The kid has been portrayed by some of the most well-known performers, including Roy Rogers, Paul Newman, Val Kilmer, and even Emilio Estevez. And that will bring us to the end of the episode. And I hope you enjoyed our episode on Billy the Kid. If you have any feedback for us or a case suggestion, you can find us on Instagram at Historical True Crime Pod, or you can reach us by email at Historical True Crime Pod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week for another dark and notorious case from history. We'll see you then.